winning the race. And, and, and uh, we, we, this is the fourth part of winning the race. And uh, what happened is I thought I was going to end this thing, and I'm learning more and more to not have a thought when it comes to God. Uh, because God's going to tell me how it's going to go down, and despite how I want it to go down, if it doesn't go down the way that he calls it to go down, then it goes down wrong. And so let me show you what happened this morning. I was going to preach. Oh, boy, I was going to preach. And, and so I had written this sermon, and the Lord had put it on my heart all week long, and I'd been working on this sermon, and I said, to, but this morning, the enemy steps in and said, you know, you ought to preach. You ought to just preach. And so I, I found a sermon. I said, ooh, that's the one. And, and here's what happened. My screen switched over. I don't know. Maybe it's the computer. I'm not very tech savvy. But my, my screen went back to the original sermon that I'd been writing all week. And I switched it over, and I said, no, nah, no, nah, this one right here, I have them shouting. This one right here, I have them crying. This one right here, I have them down in the, on the floor and all of that, you know. And, 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 and nothing happened, but my screen just went right back to the original sermon. So I learned I'm, 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 how many things, but still ain't one of them. So I just went ahead and decided we're going to do what thus saith the Lord. Amen? Amen. So we're going to talk about winning the race. And this is part four. And, and what happened over the week was God began to show me that we're going to talk about the race for the next couple of weeks simply because there is so many implements of the race. There are so many different things when it comes to the race. There's conditioning, there's weights, there's weight training, there's the loss of weight. There's so many different things that we have to deal with. Uh, so today I just want to talk to you about winning the race. And it's kind of going to piggyback off of last week because the reality is you got to know your team. And you got to know what team you're on. And so if I had a subtitle for this sermon today, it would probably be, uh, what team are you running for? What team are you running for? And I say that as a pastor, uh, because what I'm learning more and more every day, being a pastor and dealing with the saints is, you can never, and I mean you can never assume that what you're talking about, everyone understands. You, 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 you can never just assume that who you're talking to knows what you think they do. Amen? Uh, and, and, and the reason is, this, this, is, this, is, this is a shame right here. Because when I'm talking to the people of God, I don't care if it's uh, the people of God of this church or the people of God in Cincinnati or in, in Nebraska or in Idaho. When we begin to talk the word of God, if you're uh, a child of God, we should all be able to agree. So, so that lets us know that there's been some, some faultiness in, in the hierarchy of the churches. Amen? All right, let's get busy. Uh, and one thing that has become apparent to me, and I, 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 I do good when, when uh, I was reading this thing that was called How to Preach to an Empty Church, amen? And that ain't really hard to me because uh, for a year my church was empty. And I used to just preach. And before I was preaching, I was preaching to the chairs. I was preaching to the sofa. You know, my son would, would hear me preaching and try to run back. From, he would try to figure out how he was going to get to the bedroom, to the bathroom, without getting ordained. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> And so, and I called him every time, amen, so he's been ordained about 30 times. And so, and so preaching to uh, uh, a small or no crowd is nothing to me because I don't have to look at the crowd and look at how good God has been. And when you begin to look at how good God has been in your personal life, let me tell you something, you don't need an uh, ordination paper, you don't need a certificate, you don't need a license, you understand what I'm saying to you? The reality is this should be like fire shut up in your bones on the strength of when you begin to remember how good that God's been to you, despite you was not to him or yourself. So, so, one thing that has become apparent to me about the way that I see uh, people live their lives outside of the church, which for the most part is so contrary or so opposite of the ways of God. They live opposite outside of the church of not just God, but also his word. And, 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 and what I have to understand, and, and I want you to understand, is that it is very 
the wrong team is see Satan is coupled with his engineering and so he'll have you thinking you're running for the right team you see uh, he'll he'll have you think see you can come to church every Sunday and be on the wrong team <laughs> you can tithe you can tithe and be on the wrong team you 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 can give to the sick I mean you can give to the poor and and and, and go check on the sick and and still be on the same team. And what has blown my mind is that we have churches all over the world that are filled to capacity that do not understand that they are running on the wrong or for the wrong team. When it comes to the things of spiritual, the spiritual, there will always be two main teams. There will always be two main teams, and those main teams are, one, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And it's, it's important to know, and not just know, but to respect the fact that Satan has a kingdom, and it's the kingdom of darkness. Now, now, what is mind-blowing to me, what is mind-blowing to me is how we have so many in church that neglect to live up to what the Word, to what the word and what God expects them to. And, the, and the, here's the thing. They know that they're not living up to his expectations, but yet because of this faulty but popular doctrine that says, once saved, I'm always saved, sin isn't as scoffed at as it should be. Because many have been played, fooled, and duped into believing that all you have to do is ask for forgiveness and you're good, despite the fact that you are continually in sin. Seek forgiveness, then continue to sin again in the same manner, foolishly believing that you have some type of uh, make-believe spiritual insurance policy that covers your mess. You don't. I promise you, you don't. And in fact, I'd like to, to prove to you that you don't with Scripture, and not just with me saying that you don't. See, see, that's one of the biggest problems in the church. My spiritual father taught me this. Always talk scripture with the Bible. Always talk Bible with the Bible. Amen? Because I could be telling you anything. And so it's important that the people of God or the people who desire to be of God understand his word. And more importantly, understand that whatever it's about, his word settles it. Despite how you feel about it, look at it, love it, or how long you've been with it, doing it, whatever the word of God says about it, that settles it. The word should always be, it should always be the determining factor in the life of the believer. And if you have anything else that settles it for you, then you're not a believer. You are not of God. I don't care if it's your child. I don't care if it's your marriage. I don't care if it's your, your paper, your money, your job. I don't care what it is. If anything else is the determining factor on if you're going to do right or wrong, if you're going to live contrary to the word or not, then you are not of the Lord. That being said, let's go to Scripture, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 to 27. And like I said, I'm going to piggyback off scriptures I used last week. Uh, and, and a lot of times, uh, I had somebody come to me and say, you know, I, I, I just, I ain't been coming as much because you keep on saying, the, uh, you keep on saying the same stuff. I said, it's because you keep on doing the same stuff. Stop doing the same stuff. I can preach about some different stuff. You understand what I'm saying to you? But we, you don't graduate till you pass, you, you don't get to 10th grade till you pass 9th grade. Amen. You don't pass 10th grade till you graduate ninth grade, Lord have mercy. And so, and so, and so if you've been a part of the Unity Worship Center, you should know uh, these verses uh, by heart. And I'm going to continue to drill these scriptures until we see the change that God is desiring to see. Not the change that I'm desiring to see, but the change that God is desiring to see. You don't, you don't stop taking your medicine until you're doing better. No, no, listen to what I said. I didn't say you don't stop taking your medicine until you feel better. I said you don't stop taking your medicine until you are doing better. Feelings ain't nowhere in the Bible. This is a new gospel. Lord have mercy. The Bible says in Hebrews 10 and 26, 26 through 27, 
For if we deliberately sin, for if we deliberately go on sinning, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Verse number 27, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire about to consume the adversaries. Now before I speak on verse, on those verses, I want to show it to you from another version, the Amplified Version, because I want to be sure uh, that you have a real understanding of what it is that I'm trying to say here today. And the Amplified says, for if we go on willfully and deliberately sinning, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice to atone for our sins. That is, no further offering to anticipate. Verse number 27, but a kind of awful and terrifying expectation of the divine judgment and the fury of a fire and burning wrath which will consume the adversaries, those who put themselves in opposition to God. And before I go on, I just want to talk about that last part. It says those that put themselves in opposition to God. See, see, we've got a lot of people that believe that God sends you to hell. God don't send you to hell. You send you to hell. You understand what I'm saying to you? And 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 I heard uh, 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 a, a pastor say this. Uh, uh, one of the pastors that I like to listen to, uh, Noel Jones. He said, he said, and some of you ought to thank God that He made hell. Because by the 70s and 60s, or however many years that you lived on earth, you lived in such a way to tell God that you did not want to be with him for eternity. You didn't want to be with him for the 60 to 70 years on the earth. Then why in the world would he make you spend eternity with him? Some of you ought to say thank you. <laughs> now, so, 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 so I want to deal with that because, because those who put themselves in opposition to God. See, see, one of the things that we, we adopted from Adam was this blame the other person's spirit. Blame anybody but ourselves spirit and a lot of re and a lot of you've got a whole lot of reasons why you don't come to church a lot of you got a whole lot of reasons that you don't that you're not serving God with all of you as you should be and some of your reasons are just straight up wrong because you was meddling well I heard the pastor was doing this and I ain't going back to the church because of that well, what's that got to do with you did he do it to you then you should be in church and, and, and you understand what I'm saying to you and, and and do you know that he did that for sure then you met them. And the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 4 and 13, aspire to live a quiet life and mind your business. So, so, so we are quick to point fingers at people just to not have to walk in the building. When you should just go ahead and tell the truth and say, the reason I don't go to church is because I don't want to go to church. And the reason that I don't follow God is because I found a greater pleasure in following myself. I found a greater pleasure in following other people that don't believe in God and don't go to church and don't uh, 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 settle their lives on and by the word of God. That's what you ought to just say. I'm a trip. You could quit blaming everybody because of where you're not with God. Can't nobody stop you from being where you want to be with God but you. But you. So, if we willfully and deliberately, that word willfully is defined as with a stubborn and determined intention to do as one wants. Get this. Regardless of the consequences. It says, willfully means uh, with stubborn and determined intention to do as one wants, regardless of the consequences. <laughs> now, now, that definition is major. That definition is major. And how many of us will be honest uh, that in, in the cyber world, uh, honest enough to admit it, even here, the few that's here tonight, today with me, to admit that this has been you before. And truth be told, it may be you right now. Lord, have mercy. How many of us will you be honest enough to say, yo, that's me. 
that's me. And, and see, I get why, here's what trips me out. I get why the people who aren't saved have this mindset. But when this is the attitude of the people who are supposed to be uh, 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 partakers of the grace, of the people that's supposed to be followers of Jesus, uh, th- when this is the attitude of the followers of Jesus, this is when it leaves me perplexed. Again, I want to ask you, I want to ask you, how many of us will be honest enough to say that you have been guilty of being determined to do you and what you wanted to do regardless of the consequences? And if truth be told and shame the devil, you didn't just suffer one consequence, you actually suffered a few. But the two that you know for sure that you suffered, uh, and I want you to see this, is uh, one, one, one thing that you suffered was the consequence of being separated from God. Because that's what sin does. It separates you from God. And any time that you are walking through life and you are not connected properly, or you are not connected to God, you are walking dead through life. And a scary notion that I've been paying attention to here lately is how many people that come from the church are walking around dead. Lord, have mercy. And it's as if they don't know that they're dead. And then the consequence, there's another consequence uh, of whatever it is that you chose to do over God. uh, And that's the consequence of what you chose to betray you. Oh, that's a consequence. Whatever the sin that you took on, knowing that you were wrong, it betrayed you. See, see, and I had to learn this the hard way. Sin will betray you. And that betrayal usually leaves you with even more and we have a world that has become victim to being determined to do it their way. And as a consequence, the number of HIV and AIDS patients is through the roof. As a consequence of being determined to do it your own way, the number of single mothers who have never been married is through the roof. And I ain't knocking single mothers, but I'm talking about single mothers will attest to the fact that it's hard out here trying to do it by yourself. I was raised by a single mother. I know how crazy it can be at times. And it's a consequence, no matter how great of a job you've done, and we applaud all the moms for doing all the great things, you know, uh, bringing up your child. But the reality was you had to do that as a consequence of not listening to the Lord nor his word. And can I just go ahead and say this so that you know, any time that you have to threaten a man uh, uh, with jail to make him take care of something that, that he helped make, baby, that's a consequence. That's a consequence. And that's even a consequence that the child will feel later on. And truth be told, it makes sense to me. I get it that an unsaved world would have to deal with such ungodly consequences. But can somebody tell me how we have so many people in the church dealing with consequences that the saints ought not ever have to deal with? You remember when Jesus was talking to the disciples and he said, he said, I think it was in John 15, maybe. Uh, he said, uh, he said, or it was John 15 or John 17, he said, he said, listen, when I go away, uh, the helper's going to come. And it's expedient that I go away because when I leave, the helper comes. And guess what? And he says, and he's going to lead you into all truth. You want to know how you can live a successful life, a life without ever making a mistake? Follow the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Jesus said the Holy Spirit would lead us into all truth. Now, this calls for a question. If, if, hmm, if the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth, how is it that we have so many Christians in falsity? If the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth, how is it that we have so many Christians in a bad place, in bad shame, in, 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 in a bad place, in a bad mental state? How is this so if the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth? Well, we know that Jesus didn't lie. 
So what this tells me is that we have a whole lot of people that confess to be Christians but are not following the Holy Spirit. What, what, we, what we see here in these verses is willful sin against God. We see willful sin against God. It is sin that is committed because a believer develops this defiant spirit. Think about a teenager. You know, if you're my age, uh, you've, had, you've had one or two, amen? You possibly had one or two. For those of you that have, you know what I'm talking about. They, they kept you keeping bond money. <laughs> you, they kept you keeping bond money because they kept you almost going to jail. Lord, have mercy. So, so, so think about it. The teenager who, who once they've been corrected by disobedience, for their disobedience or for whatever it was that they've done wrong, they become stubborn. They become stubborn to the parents talking about, I don't care. I'm going to do what I want to do. Now, 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 growing up in, in my mama's house, growing up in Cheryl's house, uh, I was defiant. Yes, I was defiant, just not verbally. Mm -mm. She, she might trip about me doing something that I shouldn't be doing, but my defiance was not ever going to be verbal. And the main reason that it was never going to be verbal is for two reasons. One, I like my face. And two, I don't like pain. <laughs> so, so <laughs> I had one of those mamas. I'm raised by one of those mamas. Now, now I did what I wanted to do. Don't y'all get that twisted. I wasn't scared. I did what I wanted to do. I wasn't no punk. I wasn't scared of my mama when she wasn't around. And, and, see, and see, I knew the consequences if I got caught. That's if I got caught. But I wasn't nobody's fool. If she told me that I better not do something again, I just said, yes, ma'am. See, because the way that I grew up is not the way some of these kids are growing up today. See, 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 they talk back today. See, they talk back today. But talking back in Cheryl's house, in my mama's house, hey, get your whole jaw broke. And, and, and back then, getting your whole jaw broke for talking back, see, that wasn't abuse. You didn't have a number you could go call. That was raising them up. That was good parenting. And I, sometimes I think we just need to get back to breaking that jaw. I'm just playing. Don't. Don't break that jaw. Don't report me. But I think that we need to get back. I know we need to get back to the discipline of our children. The Bible says that if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. You ever had spoiled meat? You can't, it, it's not able to be used for what, it's not able to be used for what it was put there to be used for, is it? You ever had a spoiled cup of milk? Something, the milk goes bad? You, you can't drink that milk, and if you do, you better believe that milk's coming back up again. And so, so, so let, me, let me not just get caught up in that. But, but what we've done is we have spared the rod. It has spoiled our children, and now our neighborhoods and communities are suffering. Amen? Lord, have mercy. What, 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 you see, what you see in these scriptures is rebellion. And the rebellion has to be dealt with because rebellion unaddressed only gets worse and spreads. It only gets worse, and it spreads. You understand? And I need you to understand that, that, that we see in this, this piece of Scripture, it's not the description of a struggling believer who sins. That's not what we're looking at. We're not looking at a, a person who's trying their best, but just still continues to sin. That's why the writer uses the word deliberately. The word deliberately means consciously and intentionally, on purpose. The word deliberately means uh, consciously, and intentionally and on purpose. And, and there are consequences for this mindset. 
And the Bible describes some of these consequences as fire and judgment. So, so please understand, there are two teams that you will choose to run for, that you can choose to run from for. And I think that a lot of people don't realize this because they have been conditioned mainly through what we've seen growing up. A lot of us are, 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 are running for the wrong team, not because, not because we just really want to, but because we are operating from a training of times past, and as a consequence of training, of running off a training of times past, what you grew up seeing, it's got you on the wrong team. And that's why we have to be careful uh, how we parent, because parenting is training, it's conditioning. And, and I really wasn't trying to go here because I felt that it was irrelevant to the sermon. But as I tried to walk away from it, the Spirit of the Lord said, how do you talk about racing successfully and you do not discuss conditioning? <laughs> how are you going to talk? You ain't never walked up on a coach and he say, he said, go and start running. What's he say? Go stretch. Go warm up. Condition a little bit. He, he, he went on, the Holy Spirit went on to minister to me uh, that the reason that we see so much failure in how the earthly church is running the race is because of prior poor conditioning. Lord, have mercy. See, see, this ministry here is, is what we call one of them last day churches. This, this, is, this is the last place, the last time. A lot of, these, a lot of members here, you're going to come here and it's going to be the last time. And if, if, we, and if we mess it up for you, if we, if we drop the ball, if we break your heart, you are out of here. It ain't no more churches getting a shot, ain't getting a chance. And since having the responsibility of being a last day church, one of the things that I have to deal with all the time is all the hurt, hell, and craziness that they bring with them from other churches. And, and, and if you are a pastor that pastors a church in this manner, then you know what I'm talking about. You, you understand what I'm saying? Prior, poor conditioning. Lord, have mercy. And, and, and what we, we have now are churches of people who have been screamed at, sung to, preached at, and entertained. But we have not had it, but we've not had enough of is churches that are teaching proper conditioning. Because, because before you can race properly, you have to be conditioned properly. But, but even before you can begin to condition, you have to decide what team you're going to run for. You may be talking about you running for Tate's Creek, but we, also see, we always see you conditioning at Dunbar. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just as in the same right, you can't be talking about you are a Christian but we are constantly seeing you in the people who let it be, with the people who let it be known that they don't believe in our Savior. Conditioning along with them in sinful practice. This ain't complex. This ain't hard. Can I just go ahead and be real? Will y'all rock with me for a second? Can I just be real about this thing? This, this walk that we walk, it is not hard. It's hard because you make it hard. Listen to me. I'm, I'm really trying to explain this as practically as I can. Because we are living in a time where everyone is trying to be deep. That's one of the biggest problems that we have in the 21st century church. Everybody want to be deep. And Paul himself said, look, I don't come to you trying to kick excellency of speech. I didn't come to you trying to be smart. Man, I come to you trying to make sure you got what I was saying. You understand what I'm saying to you? Because it does not matter how smart I seem when I bring you the word if how I witnessed to you made me look deep, but you didn't understand it. And since you didn't understand it, you couldn't receive it. And because you could not receive it, you didn't apply it. 
See, see, you can't apply what you don't receive, and you can't receive what you don't understand. And for a lot of people, Satan has already tricked them into believing that they are not smart enough to understand the Bible, so they don't try. And then when you try to get people to, uh, uh, to do something that they don't understand, you will most likely see rebellion. You'll see rebellion. And, and it's not because they don't believe. A lot of people believe that there is a God. A lot of people believe Jesus is real. But they have also believed that they are not smart enough to understand the word. And since they don't, they're not smart enough to understand the word, they believe that they don't have access to him. Y'all don't hear me in here. We run around here, and that's what's part of the church's problem. We need to understand. You need to go back to when before you got saved and how nothing that other people said to you couldn't just boom, just like that. And what was one of the main reasons you stayed out there so long? Because you didn't understand the word. Because people in your life was trying to be deep. They, they, and, and you got to be careful. Oh, God, I don't even know why I'm going here. But you got to be careful about witnessing. Because you can, you can get caught up in making the witness about you. Because, see, what, what the enemy does is you begin to witness to somebody, and the person is so broken and, and so needy for attention, you understand what I'm saying to you, that you can sit there and talk to them about God all day, and they'll puff you up and pump you up and have you thinking that you're the, 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 the next Billy Graham, and all of a sudden you're not witnessing to see the glory of God. You're witnessing so that people continue to make you God. you got to be careful about this. You have to have the right intentions. You have to have the right intentions. See, see, and, and, so, and so what happens is we have to let the people know that, yes, you do have access to God, despite if you got a Ph.D. or a G.E.D. or no E.D.S.B.L.K.O.M., no letters, you still got access to God. In school, let me take this a little further. In school, you didn't like math because you didn't think, you didn't like math not because you didn't think it was useful or would be useful. You didn't like science because you didn't think that it would be important. You, you, didn't, you, didn't give all, uh, uh, you didn't give your all to those subjects uh, because you didn't understand them. Uh, when, and, and, and when you don't understand, you begin to feel and see yourself as stupid. And, 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 and the feeling and, and, and seeing yourself as stupid births anger and shame. And, and, and that's why when you, were in, when you was in school, the subjects that you didn't understand, you didn't have a real positive relationship with those teachers. And why not? Because of your thinking, thinking that has been tainted by the enemy. So when it comes uh, to the subject that makes you feel like you're stupid, you dislike the subject and the teacher, and the teacher especially because they are reminders of what it is that brings you shame. See, 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 a lot of times when people tell you, oh, I don't want to hear all that, and they seem to, when you're trying to witness to them, they're not really saying that to you. What they're saying that is, what, what they're dealing with is, what, what they really mean is, I don't feel like feeling stupid today. And every time that people bring up the Bible, I don't understand it. And when I don't understand it, I feel stupid, and, and I'm ashamed of how I feel, and I'm ashamed of what I don't know. So before you even get started and mess up my day, I don't want to hear that. And so, so, so everybody in the building and everybody in cyberspace that has tried to witness to someone has had somebody say, I don't want to hear that at one time or another. And right then, I want you, the next time that that happens, I want you to lock in on that and go, you know what? I know you don't want to hear it because you don't understand it, but we're going to sit here and make sure you understand it because God wouldn't have brought me to your life if you wasn't supposed to get it. Somebody talk to me. <laughs> so, so, so I want to make this real practical. And God says in his word, and we read these last week, we read these scriptures last week. Uh, 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 we're in Corinthians, I believe it's 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 14 uh, through uh, 18. I believe it's, it's 
is it second? Yes, Second Corinthians uh, chapter six, uh, verses fourteen through eighteen, and the Bible reads, "Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship? Let me read it from the for, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? I'm going to need you to tell me now. Uh, and what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? Ha, stop right there. Go back. 15. I want, you to, I want you to underscore that in your Bibles, or I want you to write that down on a piece of paper, and I'm talking to you in Facebook land and wherever else we are. And what accord, verse number 15, chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians says, And what accord has Christ with Malau, or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And many of you have relationships with people that do not, do not belong, that do not believe God. Or do, uh, or do not want to, or they believe that there is a God, but they're just not going to follow him. And I want to tell you, the Bible asks a question through the Apostle Paul. It says, what has an unbeliever to do with a believer? Now, some of you have stepped back and said, you know, that's been my friend for so many years. I don't care what you're talking about. I ain't just going to drop my dog. I ain't going to drop my people because, you know, the Bible asks, why am I with them? Well, let me tell you what Jesus said about it. He said, did you think that I come to bring peace? Boy, I brought a sword. And my sword, I came to cut you. He said, I'm cutting family members away from each other. So what do you think he think about your friends? Miss me with all that loose wrap when it comes to Scripture. And the problem is we need to stop talking and start listening because the Bible says uh, 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 be quick to, to listen, slow to speak, slow to wrath. If you stop talking, you can learn something and then you wouldn't be getting told up all the time. Let's go back to Scripture. And what accord has Christ with Malau? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? Come on, 16. And what argument has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they will, and they shall be my people. Therefore, get this, come out among, from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Almighty. Lord, have mercy. Can we go back to 17 real quick? I want you to pay some attention to that, and I'm not going to keep you long, but there's some things that I, I really feel in my spirit you need to see. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, not me, not says me, not says your pastor, not says your cousin, not says grandmama, not says your best friend. Come out from among them and be separate, says who? The Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. Peep this. He says, do not touch what is unclean. See, and the reality is, y'all was dealing with a whole, a lot of y'all been dealing with a whole lot of unclean stuff before Corona came out. Yeah, yeah, you, you was touching, you was touching viruses far before this virus right here. And, and so some of you are trying to figure out what it is that you're doing wrong because you're in church every Sunday and sometimes on Wednesdays and whatever other time that they have Bible studies and you, you do a little tithing and you know, yeah, you know, you know, you read a little scripture, you do a little praying and what is it, and what is it that I'm doing wrong? You are, you have decided that you're going to stay amongst the unclean. Don't you understand that you can't be worried about people thinking that you funny style because you leave them? Because don't you understand that you're leaving them could actually be leaving them? Can I say that again? You're leaving them could actually be leading them to come out from what's unclean themselves. Lord, have mercy. So, so, so don't be so scared and, and uh, uh, worried about how people are going to feel about you once you leave them. Because have you ever stopped to think that God might have you in their life to lead them? And you was never supposed to be left there being unclean with them. Lord, have mercy. Isn't it something that you was with the unclean people, but all of a sudden you got the word to get clean? My God, 
could catch that, you was with the unclean people, and all of the unclean people, the unclean people that was in the room, he gave you the word to get clean. Could it perhaps be that he gave you the word to get clean because you are the one that's in the group with the influence, and so when you got clean, he knew that you, when you left the group, he knew that you would leave the group. Mike, did y'all hear me up in here? And some of you are ducking your responsibility. You don't mind being the lead when it's hustling. You don't mind being the lead when it's uh, 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 trying trying to uh, get some sex. You don't mind being in the lead when it's trying to get your money. But you got a problem being in the lead when it comes to bringing people out of the hell that they've been constrained to. Makes no sense. Makes no sense whatsoever. And he says, come out from them, among them, and be separate, says the Lord. And do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive See, if change is going to be real, there will have to be change. Can I say that again? If change is going to be real, there will have to be change. And I promise, I know you got a lot of people saying a lot of things, but I still just believe the Bible. And I still believe the God of the Bible. So when he tells me to come out from everything that's unclean, and he will have me, he will receive me, see, i got to believe him. And, and the reason why it's easy for me to believe him is because I came out from that which was unclean, and he received me. Just as I'm telling you that when you come out from what is unclean, he's going to receive you. Lord have mercy. And I don't know about nobody else up in here, but I'm tired of not being all that I could be. And, 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 and I'm only to be all that I can be or all that I'm called to be is if I'm in him. See, and as long as I continue, Lord, how much? And as long as I continue to, to be around them, I can't be around him. As long as I refuse to leave them, I can't leave them. And the reality is we are all connected to some people that we love dearly. We are connected to some people that we love, but they are lost. We love them, but they're broken. We love them, but they're suicidal. We love them, but they're depressed. We love them, but they're on the brink of giving up. We love them, but they don't even love themselves. We love them, but we got to, but so what you got to do is you got to love them enough to leave them so you can lead them. You've got to love, oh God, you've got to love them enough to leave them so that you can lead them. Because a lot of people that's out there stuck in sin, crazy in madness, handcapped, handcapped, I mean, uh, 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 handcuffed uh, to ungodliness. It's not because they want to be, baby, but they're looking for somebody to show them a way out and that somebody could be you. It could be you. But because you're more concerned with how they see you, you ain't worried about how they see you. Lord, have mercy. Because you are more concerned about how they see you. You won't do their job so that they, they can receive you. And what they are supposed to receive from you is the fact that you are new. Can we talk about that real quick? Very popular, very popular verse. It's not in the notes today. But some of you go, I mean, uh, uh, Shana, go there anyway. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 in the New King James Version. It says, uh, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away. And all things are new. It says, it says, for, for, therefore, give me 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature or a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Can, can, can I just go ahead and tell you that, that many of you were pumped and you were hyped 
and you was like, whew, it's on. You went and bought vegetables. I'm talking about you went and bought a, a turkey. You, you, threw, you threw all the red meat out. You, bought, you got all the turkey you could get. You bought you some vitamins, got you some whey products. I mean, you, you went out and bought some sweatsuits and some jogging shoes and, and all of that. Because since it was a new year, it was going to be a new you. But can I just go ahead and tell you that you don't get to be a new you until you get into him. That is the only way that life becomes new to you is if you're in him. I don't care if you lose 100 pounds, you are just a 100-pound lighter you. You are just a 100-pound lighter messed up you. I don't care if you got a nose job. You are just a 100-pound with a new nose messed up you. I, I, don't, I don't care what it is that you have done that, that, that you said, you know what? This is going to make me new. Oh, you know what? This is going to change the game. The only way that you change the game is that if you change you. And Satan is not worried about you going to church. He ain't worried about you losing 100 pounds. He ain't worried about you fixing your nose. He ain't worried about what you wear to church. He ain't worried about how many times you go to church. He ain't worried about how you post about church. All he's concerned with is that you don't change. Because change, my God, change lets the world know that you've been in the presence of God. And the enemy don't feel fear nobody who ain't been in his presence. That's why you shouting, you singing, you speaking tongues and all of that, and he is still stomping you in the ground. But the reality is when you begin to have, when you begin to spend presence, uh, time in the presence of God, that's when the enemy begins to be afraid. Because he understands that he can never have power over someone who sticks with the powerful. This is how we do it. How This is how things begin to get better. This is how things begin to make sense. This is how you begin to live your best life. This is how this is how you begin to be all that you were called to be. This is how you begin to operate in purpose, which gets you to your destiny. Baby, it's by being new in Jesus. Not new in how you look, but new in Jesus. And, those people, and when you're new in Jesus, those people that you love, they, uh, uh, being new in Jesus will give you the strength to leave them so that you can what? Lead them. So that you can lead them. Many of us are coming to church, and we're trying to get people to come to church with us. And they say, you know, maybe next week, maybe next time. I, I'm go. and, and it's not that they're giving you the cold shoulder. What they're saying is, I'll go when I see something changing you. I'll go when I see you running the race accordingly. I'll go when I see you running for the right team. When I see that where you go, when I see that you going to Jesus propelled you into a place of doing things the right way, of doing things the better way, to, 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 to creating a change that nobody else could, could create, to coming out of hellish relationships that nobody else could break you away from, when, to get you away from the six spouses that, 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 that almost took your life physically and mentally, or mentally, or both. When I can see you walk away from that, I'm on my way because I understand that you are serving a God, oh God, that, that blesses change, oh my God, that, that implements change. I, oh God, I don't want to be connected to nothing that don't change me. I don't want to be uh, connected to nothing that leaves me the same. I don't want to be uh, connected to nothing, to something that, 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 that doesn't have the power to bring people that I love out of the darkness. You understand what I'm saying to you? I need to be connected to something that I know is going to make a difference. I that I know is, is, is going to change the game. I need to be connected to something. You understand what I'm saying to you? That when I begin to dispel it from my mouth, when I begin to let it go from my mouth, when I begin to convey this great gospel,
gospel of his, I begin to see people change. I don't know about you, but I don't just want to be a Christian. I want to be a fruit, not just an inspector. Baby, I want to be the planter of the fruit. I want to water the fruit. I want to work for the kingdom. I want to work for God. Every day that I lay my head down to sleep, I want to say, God, I hope you're pleased. And I did everything I could to make sure that you was. To make sure that you was. So what are we going to do? What team are you going to run for? What team are you on? And if the team that you're on is not the correct team, it's all right, babe. Just change. It's easier said than done. No, it ain't. Just change. The enemy makes you believe that it's easier said than done. Some of you right now are caught up in some of the craziest relationships of your life, and, 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 we, and people have been telling you to leave them, and you're saying it's easier said than done. No, it's not. It's really not. It's really not. When you begin to ask yourself, what have you become conditioned to? What, what, what has become your new normal? What has become the new normal to you? Isn't it funny that what you see normal in this dysfunctional relationship isn't normal to anyone but you? And to those people that have dysfunctional relationships that they're in. You can't go and ask your friends, should you become new? Because to say, for them to tell you that you are to become new would mean that they would have to become new too. And what I'm learning, what I'm learning in 2020 is people love being the victim. They love their victimizing. Some people don't want to break away from what it is that has them confined. But can I just go ahead and tell you this? <laughs> it ain't the people that's got you confined. It's your mindset that's got you confined. It's your mindset that gives you over to a people that care nothing about you. This is a season for being new. This is a season for being new. We can play the solo music. I'm done. I told y'all we're going to keep you alone. I told y'all we're going to keep you alone. But he makes this promise to us. He says, if you come out from amongst them, I'll receive you. If you come out from the abuse, I'll receive you. You'll come out from a lifestyle that does not love you and that that is not bettering you. I'll receive you. You know, as the praise team was up here earlier, and I was up here with them and I was talking and I said, I said, I got family that I've changed my life, but they won't receive me. I got some family. I got some people in my family that I love so much. And I thought, silly me, I thought that when they saw me get better, when they saw my change was for real, that they would be some of my greatest supporters. But they wasn't. It took them years just to tell me that they loved me. And we were supposed to be playing for the same team. We were supposed to be running for the sa on the same team. But they wouldn't hand me the baton. I've got some friends. Some friends that I've done so much for. People in my life that if we take a walk down memory lane, halfway through the memory, they should just turn around and hug me and be like, man, you're looking out. But they don't accept the change. See, see. what's wrong and they still won't love you right 
that can never love you. You're serving a God that cares nothing about you, but just wants to use you to propel more darkness, to do more wrong, to hurt others, to break more hearts. I don't know about you, but but one of the things that drove me to Jesus is when, while I was sitting in a jail, waiting to see how my life was going to turn out. And I was guilty of everything that they was charging me of and so much more. And, 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 and I realized in reading his word and praying to him, I realized something that just absolutely blew my mind. I realized something that I had heard but wasn't really sure if it was true. And what I realized that forever changed my life was that regardless of what I had ever done, no matter what I had ever got myself caught up in, no matter what I had done to other people, because I believed on him, because I believed on him now, he loved me. And, and then when I began to study more and deeper, I found a verse that said that while I was yet still in sin, that he loved me, but not only did he love me, he committed his, he, he, show, he exemplified his love to the point to where he still died for me. Hold up, hold on. Has anybody ever had a time when you begin to look at the worst you, remember the worst you that you were, and then you look at Romans 5 and 8, and it said, but he demonstrated his love for you by dying for you while you were still in your sin. And I'm talking about it blew my mind. You mean to tell me you love me despite me? You love me? You love me when I was crazy? You love me when I, when I shoved incredible, insane amounts of cocaine up my nose? You, you mean to tell me you love me? When I was killing my lungs with the weed smoke, you, you, you're telling me that you loved me, even in that. And he said, yes, yes, I loved you. I loved you so much that I went on to die for you. I, even in that, I went on to die for you. Old folks used to have a saying that says, who wouldn't serve a God like that? Listen, I don't know where you may be listening from. I don't know what it is that you might be going through today. But I want to encourage you to know that you have a right to run on the correct team. And that he loves you anyway. Pastor, I used to get high. He loves you anyway. Pastor, I used to be a stripper. He loves you anyway. Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm still out here doing wrong. He loves you Pastor, I deal with issues of sexuality. He, he loves you anyway. And so I don't know where you are and what it is that you're going through, and even if what you're going through is your fault, <laughs> it doesn't matter. See, it doesn't matter about if you're right or wrong and some of the things that you've found yourself in in life. The only thing that matters is what it is that he has planned for your life. And so whether you're a few people that's here today, the team, or you're in 
fan of social media, I want to invite you. I want to give you the greatest invitation that, could ever, that you could ever receive. I want to give you the opportunity to know a man. Lord, have mercy. I want to give you an opportunity to have a relationship that is unlike any relationship that you've ever experienced. I want to introduce you to somebody that that don't never change. He's the same yesterday, yesterday, and forevermore. I, I wanna, I'd like to introduce you to somebody. I'd like to introduce you to somebody that, that their judgment will grow you, not break you. <laughs> I love to, I wanna introduce you to somebody that won't lie to you and be your yes man and is not concerned with, with making you feel better, but making you be better. I w- I'd like to introduce you to somebody that, that never sleeps nor slumbers. <laughs> So, so why should I get excited about that? Because it's in the times that most people are asleep that the most wrong is going on. And, and I find myself, you know, a little crazy while everybody else is asleep. But I'm so glad that I got a God that, that can tap me on the shoulder. I, I ain't asleep, baby. I see you. I'd like to intru- introduce you to a God that has never lost, that has never failed, that has never broke down, that has never quit, that, not, that did not do what he went to do. You understand what I'm saying to you? I'd like to introduce you to the most successful because he's never lost in any situation. I'd like to introduce you to a God that died for you despite you. And I don't know where you are in your faith, but I believe this is a season of revival. I believe that this is a season of starting over. This is a season of starting afresh, of starting new. And so right now, if you're at your home, if you're in your living room, your bedroom, the bathroom, wherever you are, and today is a day that you would love to give your life to Jesus, our Lord and Savior. I just want you to, I want you to understand that you don't have, we don't have to be face-to-face for that to happen. And can I just go ahead and keep it 100 with you? You ain't got to be in a church to get saved, my God. Amen. Most people didn't, wasn't in church when they got saved. I'd like to introduce you. I'd like to invite you today. I'd like to invite you today. If you've not given yourselves over to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I'd like to invite you to receive him today. Listen, if you saved, if you sa- if you've been saying you saved, this is important. If you've been saying you saved, but here lately you've been figuring out that you're really not as saved as you thought you was, isn't the isn't it, wouldn't this be the greatest time, the greatest moment right now to say, let me go ahead and get this thing right? <laughs>